I'd like to introduce them. Amanda, his wife standing here now, there, she, she can't be here today. They were in Peru, missionaries in Peru for 20 years. Uh, Evelyn in the middle, she was in the Middle East, in Israel and Egypt, missionary for uh, 15, 15 years. And then Persia was in India for 15 years, and then in Malaysia for uh, another, or the Malaysia and the Far East for another five years. Um, so between uh, between them, we have about sixty plus years of experience on the missions field. There's a lot of wisdom. <laughs> they don't actually even have to talk. You can, I mean, they can just sit, and you can kind of <laughs> kind of drips, you know, drips out of them. And <laughs> just be close to them, you know, and then you will. The, the Lord will start driving off on you. Um, but yeah, to him, all the praise and the glory for what he's done uh, in and through your lives. And we believe, as David has said, that Jesus wants to do something in us as a community that we will, he will move some of us also. Um, uh, he has moved some of us, but he will move even more of us across the river, uh, across the border, borders of the province, across the borders, borders of the country perhaps outside of the continent, and to the far reaches of the earth, everywhere where there's people who don't know Jesus, um, except Antarctica, except if there's an expedition there. Let's just start with you, with you Amendrek, um, and if you, would you, we would like if you can share with us a little bit of that initial first day, days, how did the Lord call you to the field? What was your, you know, what, what happened in those first moments that you knew God is calling me to the nations? I don't think I would have gone uh, to the field or to Peru. Probably follow the Lord with all of my heart. Um, if it wasn't that he had, that he took away my mother and sister. Um, and that brought me to the point of saying, okay, what is the worth of gaining everything in this world? Because I wanted, I was a teacher, so I thought, well, and let me try and become a headmaster and so on. So I said, okay, what's the worth of gaining everything but losing my soul? I'm not talking about going to hell. No, but I think of losing out on what God has in mind, what He wants to do, the work, what He wants to use us for. Okay, so, but it was not that... So I said then, okay, Lord, I'll use my education, my teaching, to take your word to those who don't hear it, who don't have the privilege. So I did that. And then when I did that, then he called me after, during that time. And like Gideon, I put out many fleeces so that I could know this is what God says. And then 
I could say, yeah, okay, let me go. And um, he said, in Jeremiah, I think he says, make beacons, okay, along the way that you're going, that he's leading you. So, and that helped, okay, when doubt comes and so on, everything, you know, okay, this is up to here. Even I, yes, God has brought me up to here. He has led me. So he is faithful, and he who has been faithful until now will be faithful till the end. There's no doubt about that. So that's the way it started out, and it continued also by his grace. Awesome, thank you. That's inspiring. Um, Tony Tasha, you were in um, actually in a missions conference that Anne organized when you were a student. Did that play a big part in your calling to the nations, or how did you come to that point of deciding, okay, Jesus is sending me to India? Um, yes, during the conference, the one thing that just was repeated in my mind was, why should anybody hear the gospel twice before everybody has heard it once? Why should anybody, anybody, and then we looked at, the unreached people groups and the people have never heard the name of Jesus once. And, and it was just, I grew up in a ch uh, church, I grew up with a family that taught me about Jesus. I, I can't remember how many Bibles I had and I thought how unfair for me to sit Sunday after Sunday, Bible study after Bible study and just drink in all this fantastic grace of God. And there are Billions, not millions, billions who've not heard once. So that was the day that I said, yes, Lord. Um, where and when and how took a long, long time. And from that day to me being in India was about 15 years. Um, so, and I don't think I was grossly uh, disobedient. I felt, okay, should I stop my studies and go? God said, no, finish your studies. And then I worked. I worked with ISCO. And every time I thought, it's time to go. It's time to go. And then God said, wait. I'm, I'm training you. I'm, I'm moving you. So, so the clarity to go to India. Uh, there was a time that I said, Lord, please can I go now? <laughs> um, please. And it's not the clear immediately where and what and how. God says, will you say yes to anything? And before I was at the point of, yes, Lord, anything, anywhere, with whomever, um, whatever, um, then you can say, okay, now we can talk. Um, and that, so, so, when did it become clear? How did it become clear? It's vague. And as you walk, as I walked, I felt, okay, day by day it became clearer. And it was exposure to three things I felt. First of all, exposure to God and His Word. Just simply time with Him. And then it became clearer. Prayer. Praying for the nations. Praying for the needs. And exposure to the needs. It's, it's when you expose yourself purposefully to the needs that God's there, and you start praying for those needs that God says one day, okay, you want the answer for that need? Uh-huh, you the answer. 
I'm sending you. And this is, uh, so it was a long, long process. Wonderful, thank you. It's good to hear that because, I mean, we know, uh, you know, a lot of us that have been raving to go. <laughs> and it's like a horse in a stable, you know, or a horse preparing to race and the door just doesn't want to open up. You have to wait for the right moment. And it can be, can be years before, before that happens. So that's a great encouragement. Evelyn, what stood in your heart? How did you end up in the Middle East? Yeah, so um, my story uh, started like um, when I came to the Lord, I was 11 years old. And then uh, by 12, I had a sense of I'm called to be a missionary. How it happened, I didn't know, <laughs> but it was just there. And then uh, going to university, uh, they had a missions week every year. Uh, and then it sort of, it just strengthened that desire in my heart. And then when I was in my third year, I uh, just felt that the Lord was saying, okay, now it's time to answer and make a commitment. And yeah, so uh, I did that. And what was interesting for me uh, with that commitment, uh, suddenly I had a desire to evangelize that, uh, that I didn't really had before. And uh, yeah, so that just uh, started up uh, evangelizing people and discipling people uh, in the context uh, where I was. And uh, as Dash was saying, also like slowly God sort of opened that understanding where specifically in the world he was calling me to. It took six years. <laughs> what I pick up from all three of you is in the going is that uh, there's a moment of surrender. And I think that's quite a big difference to make between deciding I'm going to go and be between saying to Jesus, I'm surrendering my life, whatever um, you want me to do, whatever that might be, that's, that's okay. But it's not an easy, that's not an easy thing to say. Um, it takes a lot of, Jesus needs us to help, to help, needs to help us say that. I think Paul will agree with you. He said, I'm not doing it because I want to, I'm doing it because I'm obligated to do it. And that's what happened to him. He said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And then the Lord told him. And since then he obeyed. So <laughs> I guess he want, maybe he wanted to go back oftentimes when he was suffering a lot. Growing despondent and seeing having all the opposition against him, but he said so clearly, God's strength and His power is made perfect in our weakness, and when we are weak, we are strong because it's He that does it in and through us. It's not us, just His grace and His love. I think a misunderstanding often is. Um, that the price of disobedience is much higher than the price of obedience. People have this idea, oh, it's so costly to be obedient. The price of disobedience is multiple times more. Disobedience, price of disobedience, multiple times more than the price of obedience. Yeah, that's very good because I was, um, yesterday, talking to my children, something in this line, and 
once you say something like, you know, when Jesus tells us to go, we'll have to go. Once you say something like that, it usually comes with, okay, we'll have to give up the house, we'll have to give up the, the car, we'll have to, you know, you think of all the material things, I'll have to give up my friends. Um, and it becomes this thing that you become afraid of because it will take so much. Um, but what you're saying is that the, the blessing and the obedience uh, is outweighs the disobedience multiple times. I think the, the misunderstanding of God's character. It's an accusation to say, oh God, you're going to take all the nice things away and give me rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it's an accusation of his fatherhood and character. Can I just say something? That, yeah, so like what I experienced when I uh, went into Egypt was like I just experienced I came alive. Like who, who I was just like suddenly and I had joy and, and everything like that. So and also when I went to Craddock, the same thing. Right? It was a sacrifice. It was difficult. But just to do that obedient thing, but then it was like, uh, it was just joy and who I am just like uh, flourishing. Um, I think in disobedience, we experience death in our lives. And that's so costly. It, it kills us. And also we experience, um, um, we don't have a goal. It's almost like we are here, there, going, but it's senseless. Okay, so that that is that disappears when we obey God. He gives, he makes sense. He gives sense to us, and he gives life because he is life. But still, when you look back over your twenty plus years, um, there were tough times and difficult times, and times you probably wanted to come back, like you quoted Paul saying. What helped you in those times to carry on, to keep going, Tasha? I think we must first define what is tough times. 47 degrees without electricity, um, uh, eating food that you get palpitations and you think you're going to get a heart attack because it's so strong, <laughs> having a hand pump and have your bath outside where everybody can see, um, sitting in a train where there are six births and there are 21 people, uh, being in a rickshaw and it's actually designed for three people and we are now nine. Um, that is not the difficulty or the tough time. Not at all. That is temporary inconvenience. Um, that, that's not the issue. The issue when it's tough is when you've invested in people and they turn back. When you have trusted people and they prove not to be trusted. If you have prayed and prayed and prayed and the situation hasn't changed, on behalf of others, you are there and you, you want to see God coming through for a person. And it's, they, they just turn their back on God. That is the tough time. And I, th I think that or oh, oh, when Christians fight, when Christians are in disunity and God is blasphemed because of the Christians, mm -hmm. 
because of the missionaries, because of that, that stuff comes. And the relation, the only thing that kept me going was, was my relationship with God and the fact that he said go, he never said come back. He said go, go, go. And the, all those things was just the proof of the need for him. Every time you see somebody not choosing Christ, it doubles the emphasis on if you're not there, who else is going to do it? So um, I think the disappointments and the, 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 the tough times convinced me more of, of my calling rather than putting me back. Okay, yeah, that's inspiring. Evelyn, what kept you going? Yeah, I, I think, um, like, uh, like in, in physical uh, situations, difficult times, I think, like, for me, once uh, was like uh, being in a war situation after just arriving there two weeks uh, before. Um, so then, uh, People that's been there, they sort of uh, said, okay, um, my mission's got like a policy, uh, we are withdrawing now. So I said, okay, my mission doesn't have anything like that. <laughs> so I'll just have to pray, what, what should I do in this situation? And then the Lord clearly said, um, like, if you want to save your life, you will lose it. If you lose your life, you will save it. So then, with that word, um, I knew there was not uh, a turning back. Yeah, so and, uh, that's like, in general, for me, when there were uh, tough times, God just spoke a word that I knew this was, this was uh, His will. This is what I, uh, why I was here. So that sort of just kept me in, in terms of continuing. Uh, so what I hear from both of you is that relationship with Jesus, the ability to hear Jesus speak in tough times, that word from him carries you through. Does it help to get a word like that from South Africa? Um, or would you say your primary you know, motivation was getting it directly from the Lord in, in the place of work? Or were there times that the Lord sent like a, a word from friends or family or church that, that kept you going? The problem is everybody in South Africa want to preserve you. So they are the most discouraging bunch. <laughs> they, they say, no, we need to protect you. Go here, go there, do this, do that. Because we love you so much, we want you to be safe. And at the end, we, we have to close our ears to voices trying to keep us safe. That, uh, um, I was not in a war situation, praise the Lord, but India and Pakistan got very close to a nuclear war while I was there. And uh, most of the countries told their people, withdraw, everybody out, just go out. And, and uh, we prayed and we felt God said, you stay. Same thing, you stay. And the fact that we stayed communicated to the Indian people, we are with you. 
the the ministry in was enhanced dramatically by our commitment to say brothers and sisters you have nowhere to go we have nowhere to go we're going to sit here together and trust god for that for whatever whatever is coming our way so um, no south africans <laughs> be careful what you communicate because our love for people may hinder god's work through them um that's a generalization but but be, just be careful so so you're saying what paul said is the people he said okay they, there were many that said through the Holy Spirit that he was going to be bound. And then they were crying, telling him, no, don't go. So he said, hey, please, I must go. Don't, don't make my heart weak. I must go. You cannot disobey God. This is challenging for me because when I, I have to be honest, when I look at myself and I, and I really look at Willem and I think about challenges like that, I doubt whether I will have the ability to actually do that. I believe if you are willing to move your body, God is willing to move your heart. You get your body where it needs to be, and you ask God, God, please change my heart to what it should be. You will have to yeah, just uh, in that situation of uh, of war, so I knew I had to stay there. Uh, I was living in Bethlehem at that time, and then I, there was like a bombing, and our building, the windows were all shattered, and everything like that. And so I was like shaken. Um, and so during the day, the next day, I I went to Jerusalem just to sort of get away from the situation. But then. I had to go back, put my body back in Bethlehem. And that night was again uh, like war and so on. But God just uh, kept me there. And the fruit, as you say, the fruit of me being there among the people at that time, I still have uh, um, authority um, because of that. Mendrick, what about a family? You had a family in the field. Doesn't that become a little bit more complicated when you have children, a wife and children, and, and it's tough, and... No, I think the family is a blessing, because God gave me a wife, so when I wanted to run away, then she was okay to stay there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I think, I remember one guy, he said once, he was a little bit drunk. So I up a friend and he said, hey, I'm going to get a terrorist to cut your fruit. So um, a couple of days after that, he said, he came back to me and he said, sorry for having said that. I didn't think of your family. <laughs> so I guess... <laughs> so he felt sorry for my family. <laughs> So anyway, um, yeah, yeah. Well, I guess my family was there also to show me my own weakness. Okay, to, and I think that's why I stayed on the field, probably because God said to Peter, Peter, I prayed for you that you won't, your faith won't stop 
And when you are converted, then go and strengthen your brothers. So I think because of my own weakness, um, sinfulness, I had to come back to God always. And I had to go to my brothers and ask them to pray for me, to pray with me. And that's the thing, you know. Uh, that's the, way, the reason why we go to God, because we know He will always forgive us. He forgives. That's why we go to Him with Although sometimes it's very difficult, we don't want to, we first want to become right and good and whatever and good things like that. Just no weakness, we go to Him and He strengthens us and He gives us grace and to continue. And I think another thing is just the promise of God, He says, what did He say to you when He sent you out? What does he say to you? Make sure. You must hear what he says to you. And you must stand on those promises. 1 Peter 1. You will be victorious because of the promises of God. There's no other way. For each one of you, your situation has changed over the last few years, whether changing mission field or forced to be here because of uh, COVID. And uh, so, how do you keep how do you keep pursuing the calling that the Lord has given you when when everything around you changes, the people group changes, the country changes, perhaps? I think one of the most difficult decisions was when I was called out of India, <laughs> because in a strange way your identity becomes Tertia of India. Um, people know me, Tertia of India. And when God, well, Veritas asked me, uh, would I please work further afield in uh, Asia, I wanted to say no. India is too big, India has too much need, India has still so much work to do, I don't want to go. And uh, it was interesting that at that stage, the thing that brought me to India in the first place, why should anybody hear the gospel twice before everybody has heard it once, God reminded me of that. He said, Tertia, do you believe in what you're doing? If you believe Veritas training with the Bible interpretation and, 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 and everything together with that, if you believe this is what I've given you as a tool to minister, why should India have it and the rest of Asia not? Um, so, in that, uh, it was now interesting because I felt I should work in Asia and I should leave India without knowing where to go. So I left India as I went. I went with a rucksack and I left there with a the suitcase. I just said, okay, we leave this behind, we're moving, but I didn't know where to go. I prayed, I prayed, I prayed. God didn't show me where to live. And I was in flux for a long time. I won't go into detail now. but. Um, the vision hasn't changed. So, though the circumstances change, your God has not changed my vision. And that makes me now adjust. I thought, never I will do very fast training on uh, internet. I don't, no, no, we talk face to face. Come on, guys. Uh, it is 
community. There isn't something like a virtual church. Church are real bodies with real people looking into real eyes. Um, and so humble pie and just, and you simply say, God, I'm sorry I, I said that. Are you going to make videos? No, you don't make videos. You talk to people, there's interaction. I can't say that God will never tell me to make videos. I don't know what he's going to say. But he, we have to adjust all the time. And, and God never said it's going to... Uh, I mean, how many, uh, many times has, has uh, Paul adjusted? How many cultures was he in? And to say the vision of Christ being glorified in the lives of people and his people knowing, understanding, applying, communicating his word. God's, God's vision is the same. The execution of the plans change. So for me, it was actually quite a small step at the moment because though I'm not with the people physically, I'm with them on Zoom sort of all the time. Would you agree to that, Hamendrak? Uh, um, did the vision stay the same for you coming back from Peru? Ask the question again. <laughs> <laughs> Countries change, the people group you work with change. How do you, does the vision change with it? Did, did you leave it behind when you left the period? Well, I, I guess my vision, I don't know, Jesus is my vision, okay? So what he wants, that's my vision, okay? So he's there, he's here, he's at work, wherever. So if he puts me here, that's fine, okay? I, that's why I said to the people of Wire, I cannot work with him because God has put me here. I have responsibility to be, to be involved here with what God is doing. And so my reason is this, that um, the Holy Spirit, He knows what the Father wants. He knows every man, every woman. He knows our hearts. He knows what we need. So He operates in us to bring about His purpose. So wherever we are, we follow the Holy Spirit and we obey Him. So, so I'm satisfied to be here. If I'm in Peru, I'm satisfied because there's always more than enough to do. It doesn't matter where I'm, because I, we follow the Lord and we obey Him. For me, um, also been like different places and, and so on, but uh, like in in that um, who who God created me to be uh, and what He called me to be to do. <laughs> Is, it's always been like um, in terms of uh, vulnerable children. So that sort of just goes from place to place. And then also pray, like uh, praying for a city. Uh, that's always like uh, what I am supposed to do in a place. And then also like just um, disciple a few. Like so I, when I enter a new community, I'm just looking to see who will God uh, bring to me so that I can uh, just walk a road with him. So like in those uh, those three things and always other uh, interesting things with it, but uh, that's how God is like, always moving. Amen. Thank you. Well, I think as a community, we can also be incredibly grateful that the Lord orchestrated your paths to be here at this specific point in time. 
uh, and we uh, feel really blessed to have you here. And we look, we really look forward to what God's going to do. We don't know what He's going to do exactly. Um, sometimes not at all, <laughs> but we uh, we feel blessed, and we pray that the Lord will use you in in our community in wonderful ways uh, to further the, the His kingdom and the mission. Further.